are Devo and Lisa here for, we're still calling it Mind Body Business. We got to change it. Episode 19. We made it 19 weeks. What were you doing when you were 19? 19 years old. Where was I? So I would have been in college, right? I would have been sophomore in college. Is that correct? Yeah. I was at Trinity College in Hartford, Connecticut. And studying at that time as a sophomore, I was a biology major and progressively fading away from that major because I had to do a lot of things, mainly show up to class. It didn't suit my lifestyle, but primarily. (laughs) But now you show up for life, so that's good. Yeah, primarily the impetus for that, the catalyst for my biology failure was I had to cut up animals and I couldn't do it. It was like, I'm out, can't do it. So I switched to um, a couple of other degrees. Where were you at 19? Getting ready to get married. I wasn't even dating anybody. I had a girlfriend from high school that um, I had going into college, but we broke up after my freshman year. So I didn't have any marriage ideas at that point. You're not supposed to, actually. We're going to do a podcast on that whole marriage situation of yours. Just so you know. <laughs> it's no longer a situation. <laughs> I think our next episode 20 should be um, around around your uh, last 30 years. My failure in marriage. Not a failure. No such thing. Brought you to where you are. Mm -hmm. So today's guest is Vanessa Keating. She is coming to us from lovely California, where we just were. Can we say that out loud? Yes, we were in California, people. It was amazing. And we didn't quarantine. We don't need to quarantine. We traveled like we're supposed to. We went there successfully, had a great voyage, and we came back, and we're still here. We miss the perfect temperatures. It's true. It is very humid here. We had a crazy last four days of... um, We've had a crazy last four weeks. You in particular, you've been swamped. Well, we've both been busy, but you have had a boatload of gigs going on, so Mm -hmm. good for you. A lot of different stuff, content, weddings. Not so much weddings. It's it's mostly being... I've done two of them with you. What are you talking about? Yeah, but it's mostly being shooting design and things like that. And then speaking to other clients that we have through our other business. That's what I said. A lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah. Content creation. We've got several business consulting. So we've been contemplating the idea of moving. I don't like this shirt on me. Um, We've been contemplating the idea of switching the podcast name. And I think that's okay because we're still trying to find our groove, the emperor's groove, if you will. Do you have enough room to write? Yep. And I recently hired a business coach, which you know. Mm -hmm. And in some deep introspective conversations with her, I don't know that that we are fulfilling exactly what we want to accomplish on the podcast. So today you might find me doing a little bit of shifting and adapting. You're going to sing. I am. That's why we got these new Breaker Breaker headsets, which we're going to talk about in a moment. <laughs> we're changing up all the time. We had a problem with our other microphones. You can talk about that later. But Yeah, so we um, are unofficially telling ourselves that we're being sponsored by today's podcast by uh, my man Ashton over at Sweetwater. He's been so helpful. Dude, I'm going to send this to you, but this is us, Lisa and Devo, telling you fucking a thank you. So we may look like nerds, but the sound is brilliant. So good. And honestly, the <laughs> the other ones that we had, we were stationary. You had to lean over the microphones like you were doing something inappropriate. To it. And your, 
your mouth had to be on it all the time. These phallic. I can kind of like kick it back, rock it out. I mean, we can do. The sound is so good. And I can hear you. So good. All right. So and today, it's... Vanessa Keating, and she is, you know, I don't really know what Vanessa is. From, for, for lack of a better word, she is a self-prescribed quantum healer, teacher, clairvoyant, author, and workshop leader. And I'm just reading straight from the notes we made for her. But in, in a deep dive conversation with her, what she really does is she is sort of a holistic process improvement engineer is the terminology I would give her. And what she does is she helps organizations systematically and systemically reorganize, clean up excess, um, things that processes that aren't exactly engineered perfectly. She has a really keen eye of going in and able to see from a bird's eye view outside the label, kind of like mm -hmm. outside the jar mm -hmm. like we do, on what a company could do to improve upon their processes, an organization, a business, a small owner, all those sorts of things. And she reorganizes those. And so I thought it'd be really fun to have a conversation with her about that process and how that works and let her kind of talk about her thing. But more than anything else, I wanted to have a conversation with her around the idea of chaos, the application of chaos in, in the sense of it's a necessary evil and how order eventually makes sense from chaos. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So right now we're living in the most insane time. I've been on the planet yeah. for 39 years. And yeah, I've never, it should be over by next week though. I, yeah, I've never seen anything in my life in 39 years that what we're going through right now and most of the human population has not. So what sense does all this chaos make because i don't think this is accidental neither do you and nobody can predict where this is going to go but i think if we all stopped and stepped back for a moment and took a look at some of the patterns that are developing from this chaos i think that it's quite readily available to see what this could become okay really I'm I'm really interested on her take on things. I know we were joking sort of this morning saying is she like the bobs going in and, and <laughs> you know I don't know if a lot of people know the bobs reference. Well, you have to watch uh, Office Space. Yeah, Anyways. But I'm interested to see what her her takeaway is on how things have changed and how's that changed what she's doing for corporations or clients that she's working with and what her <laughs> Her thoughts are on that. Yeah, so she's about to join us. I just brought her into the room. And again, thank you, Ashton from Sweetwater, for these really cool headset mics. They are going to change how I podcast personally. If we thank him enough times, are we still going to need to pay for them? I'm just trying to get some sort of conversation with their upper management so that we can get this a direct sponsorship. We'll so have our for. upper management contact. I like that. Your people, your, our people will contact their people. <laughs> Vanessa, <laughs> hey, how's it going? We were just talking smack about you before you came on. So that, That's what you're supposed to do, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you only heard the very trailing comments at the end. And um, we, gave you a, we gave you an introduction, <laughs> which we think hopefully doesn't mess everything up. But since you're clairvoyant, you should have already known what we said. Did I say I was clairvoyant? Mm -hmm. Intuitive and clairvoyant. Two different Qu things. Quantum healer, teacher, clairvoyant author, and workshop leader. I, I fell in love with you just right there. I'm like, right? Oh gosh, I, I kind of did too. I was like, really? Let's, let's do that. So her people wrote that. <gasps> I like that she's my people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, so 
Vanessa was not able to join us at our normal 9 a.m. start time because she's a diva from California. You understand that. And so we've prolonged and pushed back to 12 because she's promised that she's going to be much more scintillating and effective at this time slot than the early time She slot. had a very specific writer. Yeah. Where are my green M&Ms? <laughs> Actually, we do have some candy. If you were here in the podcast with us, we could share with you. All right. So let's talk about what we're going to talk about today with you. So um, I introduced you as um, a practicing medical intuitive, but what I shared with Lisa and and anyone else who will listen to this is from my conversation with you, what I gathered from you was you're, you're a qualitative system improvement engineer using holistic intuitive methods as opposed to just like, I come from the business world where people would would be hired to do process improvement for a company and they would be using, you know, Six Sigma and um, process improvement techniques that, that they went to school for and all that sort of stuff. But your direction from that is a little bit different. So in the- my corporate background, the district manager would just come in with a box, put it on your desk and say, get your shit out of here. <laughs> Okay, no worries. All right, so in your words, kind of reframe what we said you do so that we can better understand it. Okay, so yes, I, I am intuitive. I communicate from feeling a space. So I'm basically having a relationship with a space while tuning into my body. Um, and that's for the sake of this conversation, what I'm going to call being an intuitive. Um, there's many other ways to do it, like intuitive. I'm talking to spirits around me or plants or different things but for this i'm literally talking about i'm communicating with spaces and communicating with other people's bodies in a way that i understand so so with my professional background um i have the unfair advantage let's say of being able to um use this other sense and gift to see what the space actually needs and so with uh, event production, very stressful. It's uh, kind of known as part of the environment that there's going to be a lot of things coming at you and you have to deal with things at a moment's notice without maybe too much preparation. And how do you meet that and make things move towards the goals that you have with your client as effortlessly as possible? And because I'm able to have this other sense about it, um, it's a little easier for me, I think, than some other producers. Um, but it took me a long time to realize that was even a gift and um, worth using in the space um, or naming it, saying, hey, I actually can do this. Um, it's definitely not a selling point um, because it is a little um, new, new age kind of woo-woo. Um, but it is something that I find makes my job easier when I actually say that, it, that I can trust myself that I can do that. Um, And then beyond that, I have an art background. So now I've finally found a way to integrate the um, combination of my art background um, also with psychology. So it's kind of like an art therapy thing where I can teach other people how to communicate with their intuition um, through using an art method. That's all fascinating information. So translate a lot. Translate that for me in a real world application. So what type of clients, what type of opportunities would, would somebody use you for? Give me an example of that. So, I mean, typically people hire me for my production expertise. 
So within that domain, usually it's within a corporate setting. So let's say a staged event. Um, these days, obviously, they're digital events. And so I am usually hired to work with um, content creators. So who's writing the scripts, who's creating the PowerPoints. Um, you know, a, a speaker will come in. I will help them walk across the stage. This is how you should stand. If you're nervous, these are some things you can mm. do to relax yourself. And so that's what I am in that world, whether it's a real live stage with live humans everywhere or a digital stage where I'm still receiving all that content, making sure that it's organized in the way that makes it most effective and also allowing the speaker to be relaxed in a digital space or a stage space. Um, and they're different, but they're also kind of the same. Um, and then in addition, I also work on transformational events. So this would be more like a smaller lecture series, education, or a workshop. We, we workshop could have used you, correct, the last four days mm -hmm. when we were doing video produ production mm -hmm. to have someone like her in that space to, to uh, change the stress level when you were doing the, the videos of the um, interviews. Mm -hmm. So let's role play for a second. You're there on site with us. I'll be one of the guests and I won't say her name. She's a lovely lady, but she was really stage fright and she couldn't get past. She had her opening line. Hi, I'm Devo and I am a quantum healer. I'm a teacher. And then she would freeze up and she wouldn't be able to finish. And so we had to start over. So you're hands on with us right now. I'm her and you're helping to propagate the situation. What would you have done in that scenario? Um, I would go into a series of uh, somatic trainings with the person to um, help them be more relaxed in the body because when that's happening, they're so in their head, they're only utilizing like this much of their entire body to release their stress, to be centered, to be effective in what they're doing. And so for me, what I would do is um, a series of simple breath exercises where they're actually focused, like if you put your thumb in your belly button. So we're gonna do this right now. All right, go ahead. My jeans are too Wait, wait, do we put it all the way in or just, is it just like- No, just like relax it. So your four fingers underneath your belly button are kind of cradled in your belly. This is your center of power. Um, the woo-woo, you can say it's, you know, like your sacral chakra. Um, this is where, what we call your center, your center of gravity, where your actual physical somatic power lies. And so what we actually do is, is work on, on getting you to acknowledge that this place exists, like you know where your heart is, you know where your mind is. This is your gut, this is your gut sense, it's your instincts. It's really like the seat of the power of who you are. So, um, by getting people to focus on this and breathing into your belly. Often we're taught that our belly should be really flat. And so we wind up corseting our lower abdomen and we don't allow the oxygen down into lower parts of our lungs. Um, so we're using more oxygen, we're more relaxed and um, we just call that a centering exercise where you're really just focusing on this area. And the more you're able to do that, even for somebody who's never considered it before, it really allows you to more ground in yourself and get out of your head and trust what you're going to say because this is, you know, this is really where it's at. And um, you know, a lot of science is coming up that's backing this theory right now. 
Um, but the more you can do that, and honestly, if you can do that like three times a day, it can completely alter how your confidence is, how you trust yourself, how you speak with others, and how they trust you. Like so, it's so, so all we're doing is just touching the belly button, or are we correlating You're that with some sort of breath? That space, and you're focused on that area of your body. So if I say, like, where's your mind? You know where it is, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you don't have to think about where this is. If I say, like, where's your center? Where's your gut? Where's your intuition? You're going to be like, I, I don't think I have that. Um, so if you focus on that lower, you know, where your, your fingers are, when you put your thumb in your belly button, that is your center. And that is where your inner power lies. It's not your mind. It can be your heart, but it's truly your gut. It's truly that center of gravity. It's that middle point in your body. And the more you're able to breathe into that space. So I would be telling your speaker to relax your shoulders, to get into their bodies, to focus on that area below their belly button. And think of a ball inside of there that uh, like a little, you know, like a golden ball and feel it getting larger and feeling it filling their space and to constantly build a relationship with that. When I teach my intuitive painting, it's actually the same thing. Um, I get people in touch with that part of their bodies and also work on other bands of tension that we have in our space. And I learned that that's a, a fellow by the name of Richard Strozzi Heckler. Um, he created something called the Strozzi Method and he believes that there's bands of tension in your body. So like you squint, you think, you have a lot of tension, headaches in your upper eye area. Um, you grind or clench your teeth, it's your jaw. Your shoulders, when you get stressed, will begin to go up. And so there's all these somatic areas in your body where if you do a scan and um, of your body, and so, you know, are my eyes, is my upper head relaxed? is my jaw relaxed. And the way that you relax your jaw is by breathing just slightly through an open mouth. You can't bite your teeth down when you're slightly breathing through your mouth. It's like the best trick in the world. When I learned this, like years of tension just released itself from my jaws. And then your shoulders. You wanna make sure that your shoulders are relaxed. A lot of people do a lot of punching up. And you once you know these distinctions, you can actually see it in other people and you can tell if they're stressed or not because of what their body is relaying to you. And unconsciously from a body to body communication, um, we don't know it in our heads until we learn the distinctions, but you could see me and maybe sense something was off even if you didn't know this. That's what's even more interesting to me. Um, so then we also carry a lot of tension in our chest area, like protecting your heart. You know, maybe you've been hurt before. And so a lot of people kind of like, you know, punch their, you know, they're not standing back. Their heart is not facing the world. They're a little protected. Um, and then your gut and your hips hold a lot of tension as well as your butt, your knees and your feet. So if these channels are more open and you're aware of it, you could be holding stress and tension there. The more you're able to relax them, the more access within your body you have to present, to speak, to, to be, um, instead of it all just being something we're generating from our minds. And that's what trips us up because the mind's also saying, I'm a failure. Look, you can't even do this. 
or I've never done this before. I don't know what to do. And you're in this like freeze state. All right, well, let's talk about that for a second. So, and as it relates to the work that you do with organizations, so someone would hire you to come on site to help their staff, help their process. What is it you do? You specifically take people aside and work with them in a consultative capacity to help their breathing, help their energy. Is that the sort of stuff that you would be doing? Correct. And I've been doing this for years. Like once I've learned the distinction and like, I can probably give you a list of some of the teachers that I've had that I've learned this from. Um, I would start integrating it into my normal, you know, just get this person on stage, you know, but while I was there and seeing how they were stressed, I would begin to use these somatic practices on them and automatically see the results. Um, so there was some training that I learned and then just applied to the work I was already doing and now have begun to be known as somebody who can do this. I mean, interesting, I, I don't really think like somatic coach is a is something that many corporations would even think to hire yet. Like, I think it's definitely something that's gonna be coming on. Um, but now that we're all in this digital space, it's extremely useful because everybody's a little stressed out because it's new for everyone. I mean, it's not as new for you because you've been doing this, but for a lot of people that have a lot on the line and we've told them that instead of being on a stage, they have to be in this glowing rectangle. Um, they, they don't know how to be in this. They don't know how to interact. They can't see their audience. Like everything's different. Their, their whole training and way of being has been thrown off. So can I just ask when you were originally describing what you do and then you, you shifted to, to use more of the, the talents that you have, was it that you weren't recognizing them or that you didn't feel comfortable bringing them in? Like what, what shifted that you started using all of your capacity and um, bringing that to, to the table for these clients? I think I really was trusting myself and the fact that this works um, before it was, I mean, I've, I've experienced this for a long time before I even understood the somatic distinctions around this where someone would call me to them because I have a calming presence. Now, to this day, I'm not even completely sure what that means, but I've been able to help people just by being there because something about who I am is calming to them. Um, I don't even think I can teach that to someone else. Like, it's just something that is innately in me and I've been building that since it's been called out. Then I learned these somatic distinctions. And from there, it took me a while to trust myself that it was actually viable enough to claim in a professional setting because it is considered a little more esoteric, let's say, like woo-woo-ish, um, that a lot of people maybe wouldn't think it had merit. Um, but now I believe that it does. And I want other people to know that. So I think something shifted in me um, and seeing the results of these things has led me to be more passionate and more vocal about it being part of what my offer is. So when you said shifted in you, do you believe that it's shifted kind of across the world as well? Like, were you, it, it seems like in the last X amount of months, we have been able to connect with and listen to and, and learn from people that, that are 
sharing these gifts now and talking about them more. And I don't know if it was just, I wasn't as cognizant of it, or if this is just like a better time to bring all these out as well. I definitely think it's a better time. Um, I think that's, I mean, for me, um, it hasn't been easy, but I definitely think this time of quarantine has allowed um, me personally to be able to, how do I say this? Like, um, Step into your power? Well, definitely step into my power, but like just because some of the normal day-to-day stuff has been shifted away, from having to do, having be a thing, you know, what, what's the latest fashion and who's doing what on a celebrity channel. Like there's all these other distractions that like aren't there anymore. And I've really just been with myself and really seeing where the, that value lies and what I want to build in myself that I see as valuable instead of always looking at what the external is telling me that is valuable. And I think everyone on their own level is having the same experience. You know, if, if there's not a lot of external distractions, you have no choice but to really look at yourself. And that's the thing that we're not really given an opportunity to do. So in these past four to five months, for me, it has been like, you know, this is what's really valuable. And this is what I want to carry on and learn and grow and teach other people. Um, you know, I'm not going to say when we get back to normal, but, you know, as things move forward in some way, I, I want to carry this with me and impart it on others. And I think especially within this little digital rectangle that we're all in right now, there's a lot of space to do that. I keep hearing a lot of people say that. Can we stop for one second and just do that? I'm, I'm watching it. Oh, hold on one second. So I'm going to keep talking, but you can't see me while I fix something. So I keep hearing people say that there's not a lot of distractions and everything has changed and people are now waking up and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But what's really changed? And the people that are waking up, it's a, it's a sample population of people that are waking up because nothing's really changed on the planet other than there's a pervasive media stream of Corona news, whether it's on the internet, whether it's on the TV, but People are still going to work. They're just working from home. People are still at doing all the things that they did with the exception of they're doing it in a different style. So, you know, TV is still running. People are still watching TV. People are still eating junk food. People are still drinking beer and smoking cigarettes and doing all the lifestyle choices they did before. They're just now doing it in small private pods within the quarters of their home. So the people that are becoming more aware or the people who are waking up, whatever that means to everyone, that's just happening to a sample population, right? Not, not everybody is having those enlightenments, so to speak. As, as you No, I mean, I think it depends on where you were when this happened. Like I've definitely had these conversations where um, people who have been on the same, you know, seeker or, you know, wanting to learn more about this, uh, probably in the past 10 to 20 years, um, we might have a little more leading edge on it. And I've said, wow, like imagine if all this happened and it was 10 years ago and what I was up to and what I had learned or hadn't learned yet and how I would be responding to all the stress that's going on in this experience. Um, so I'm, infinitely grateful that I started my own um, inner 
you know, reworking or introspection and healing when I did. Um, and I think that changes a lot. So we're not all coming from the same place. And obviously we're not all having the same experience. I think I heard like a quote that, you know, we're all in the same sea, but in um, our own boats, you know, like our own boat is the work that we've done to this time or the work that we still have to do or how we're uh, receiving the information from this time. But we're all on this same ocean of uncertainty and, you know, fear of a virus and don't stand too close to your neighbor and, you know, like all these new things that we're not really, you know, should I or should I not wear a mask? Like, um, what do I do with my children? Should they or not go back to school? I mean, all of these things are common across the board, but how we're responding to them, that's our boat. That's our own individual experience. And although it was that way prior to right now, I think that we can all really see like these are this is what's similar between all of us and this is what's different. Here's here's a crazy thought that you just said that it's really wild to me. And I kind of had to ask you this question the other day. So I'm reading this book right now for the life of me. I was trying to look it up on my Amazon cart. I can never remember the name of it, but it's about perspectives is the, is the book. And it's interesting because the, the book opens up and it's, it's an older, an older book. Um, and there's, it takes, takes place in France and, and the guy is sitting at a party and his colleague next to him calls out the size and the shape of his nose in kind of like a detrimental capacity. And so the book carries on. It's really interesting. But the point of the book is, is the guy was completely thrown off by the comment from his colleague. And so the rest of the night, he spent going back and forth to the bathroom, looking at the shape of his nose, because he had never Mm -hmm. been aware that his nose was distended, pointed and angled to the left, according to his colleague. And he's like, how can you say that about me? I've always thought of myself as being this beautiful young man. My mom told me I was beautiful. My wife thinks I'm beautiful, like all these things. And so the, this, and I'm only halfway through the book right now, but the story continues on. And there's this quote, and I'm going to paraphrase it, that he realizes after, so what he did is after this comment, he realizes that this guy fucked up his world, like telling him about his nose and so what he decided to do is to get back at everybody else and so every day for the next week or so he goes around and is like hey lisa did you D- ever know start my no. but he calls out something <laughs> i on- need affirmations only yeah but it's crazy so he would call some flaw or some observation out of everyone that he sees oh my and gosh so- there are a lot of people like that actually <laughs> i know so so the book continues on and he's like walking through paris and he's he's like the, the cascade effect of that one person calling him out and then him calling everyone else out, he notices, this is the book, that everywhere he goes, he sees people stopping in windows to kind of gaze at themselves for a second and like stare at their hands because they're all called, they're now making an, a new observation of what someone else had called out to them. And so the quote, con- the book continues and he, and I'm at this chapter now where he says, I realize that I don't even know who I am and that every person that I have ever met has a completely different, unique perspective of who I am and who they think I am. And none of those people are actually who I thought I was. And so what you just said is everybody comes at it from their own space. 10 years ago, you would not have been able to acknowledge or even deal with what we're dealing with right now. And there are people who are in that situation, some of them who are dying, some of them who are whatever is happening to people, right? It's fucking crazy to think about that you have a completely unique perspective of who I am to you. And it's probably not the same person that I think I am to you and vice mm-hmm. versa. Right. So. Right. I, I like what she said in the beginning though. Like when we were talking about that one fantastic doctor that was starting to stress out that, that 
instead of taking it from your mind, listening to your body and that whole perspective is, you know, to get out of your head and to stop listening to what other people are saying and listening to, to inside what your body is telling you and what your mind is saying from an internal perspective instead. Because, you know, I think as women too, this is probably going down a rabbit hole, but as women too, we, we I know, we, we take other people's opinions and then we layer them on ourselves and we're, we're not this enough, we're not that enough. We're, um, I walked away from that conference over the weekend thinking, oh my gosh, these women are amazing and brilliant. And then the expectations that you put on yourself that, but I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. But if we're doing what you're saying and listening to ourselves and being more introspective and using any of those intuitive powers or whatever, to get out of our head and get out of our way. Mm-hmm. Well, and the only way that just <laughs> that you're going to strengthen these things that you just mentioned, you know, like being more intuitive, understanding your somatic presence, um, being able to read a space, it's really knowing yourself. And so is your is the self that you know yourself to be an internal experience or is the external telling you who you are? And we have mostly been driven in our advertising age, which is, you know, consumerism is the name of the game here, right? It, it works much better when we are referent to our external world. Do I look okay? Am I wearing the right clothes? Everything is about outside. You know, does my child hit the right percentage in education and height when they go to the doctor? It's not really about the individual it's about the averages. It's about everything out there. And so everything I'm talking about, and especially within this quarantine time, is the invitation and opportunity to go inside and say, you know, what is right for me? What feels right for me? What are like, what are the gifts inside of me that I actually want to offer? Not what my boss says I need to be doing or my neighbor or my mom or like whoever it happens to be. Um, And I think most of us actually drive our thoughts and our goals by an external driver, not a internal one. So so I I love that. And I love the idea of working on that right now, as opposed to like, I'm older now. So I've gotten to the point where I'm like, yeah, I don't really care what other people are saying as much, you know, I I don't really give a shit anymore. I'm just going to do what, you know, enjoy people. And if I think you look great, I'm going to tell you, or if, you know, that was brilliant, you know, like there's no competition anymore. I'm not worried that that's going to make me less and just being out there, but to be able to work on that right now. Yeah. And those women that you were talking about that you were inspired by, if you were inside their heads, I'm sure that they don't feel as inspirational as you felt them to be, you know, or why that one woman maybe had a challenge of being recorded in that kind of pressure space because she was in her head. Um, She's fully capable. She just needs to be like getting her energy from a different place inside of herself to to be effective well yeah Um, she she's fully capable she has two phds she's obviously a brilliant she's obviously a brilliant woman she's a what am i doing with my she's a microbiologist and a viralist and uh she's a roommate but what i said to lisa this morning is it's interesting while you wouldn't be able to speak any of their language per se they wouldn't be able to do what you're doing because they've been training and educating themselves for 40 years. That woman was in her 60s, and she's been doing this for 40 years, she, she said. She had amazing skin. Too, Correct. So. But my point is, is that, <laughs> the point is, is that, that I said to you this morning on the call is that, you know, it's all about your context. 
so can't necessarily compare yourself that way right yeah, absolutely um you just you said got, something about a boatload of questions <laughs> no it's funny you the 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 comparative analysis that we give ourselves it is based upon on outside context it's what we read it's what we watch it's what we're taught it's what our teachers tell us and then at some point somewhere in your and i always struggle with this at some point in your life some people finally are like, what the fuck is going on? I, like, that's not what this is all about. And, and they have some sort of, and I always struggle with this. Is it an internal alarm going off that you finally are just able to hear? And not everybody hears it. And you live your whole life and you die and you don't hear. There's a large population that never right. hears it. Yeah. What, what is that, in your opinion, that alarm, that internal, intuition that finally says um hello wake up you're asleep your whole life for 39 years you've been doing jack shit hello there's something bigger to all this what is that um i mean really good fortune in the package of a, a midlife crisis i mean honestly like whether it's a divorce or um having a child or a child leaving the nest or losing a job. I mean, usually I think it takes the shape of some kind of crisis because we're living in an autopilot state mm -hmm. and something has to wake us up. And I think it's a rare individual that just wakes up from sleep one day and says, you know what, like all of this is incorrect. I mean, that would be lovely. I think, well, like um, the story of Eckhart Tolle and how he um, has become this massive spiritual wisdom giver in our lifetime um he was having an internal crisis to the point where he was considering ending his life um and then realized that the voice that was telling him to do that wasn't actually him and that was like an internal crisis he was having then had a door open to this whole philosophy that he's come up with but like everyone has to go through some um, you know, I would say like unfortunate series of events. And if they don't play victim in that experience, then they have the opportunity to um, shift their life, their life to something that's more internally directed instead of externally directed. I love what you said. And I think we get so many opportunities through our life. We just don't always take those opportunities. You know, the universe is telling us and knocking on the door several times over and over again. And it's not until we start to, to see these things that you're like, oh, there, 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 there was these opportunities. When the student is ready. Right. So what was that for you? What was the, what was the uh, catalyst, the stressful experience, whatever it was that got you back on the path of where you think you are going now? I mean, I was probably chipping away at it little by little, but the biggie was um, 15 years ago. I um, lost my job and um, got divorced all within the same six months. And so, um, you know, it was my job, my daily routine, um, my husband, my dog, my house, my car, everything changed. And it was devastating. I mean, it was a very difficult several months, but once all of those things were stripped away, the only thing I had left in that moment was myself. 
I mean, even my social structure kind of shifted too. So it was like everything that I, very similar to right now that I think a lot of people are going through where it's like, my life is completely upside down and all the things that I could hold on to that I knew were constant are not. And the only thing you're left with when that happens is yourself. So then you have to be with yourself. And I started, you know, looking into things I loved when I was a child. Um, and I think this is probably common for most people. And I continue to go back to this and try to get closer and closer to it. Like if you think of your fondest childhood memory around the age of like three or five and how you have this heart bursting feeling if you go back to that place, um, that in a sense is your true north. Like, you know, what were you doing? How were you feeling? Where else in your life can you feel that unbridled joy move towards that like that's really where it's at and that's your core true self before the world told you what you were supposed to be um and we forget that you know but that one is always here and i'm constantly having to remind myself of this too like what was that thing you know how am i feeling that at all in my daily life. And if I'm not, I have to, you know, kind of reorient and see if I can feel more of that. Um, but that was the big shift for me. And then I started to do a lot of uh, inner work. Um, so can I pause you there for a second? Yeah. So going back before you had this awareness, you were married and living that version of who you were. Were you into meditation? Were you into tantric practices, somatic body awareness? Did you know that you had clairvoyant abilities? You were just kind of in line doing what you were doing. Is that what you're suggesting? Um, pretty much. I was, you know, I was um, late 20s, early 30s, definitely doing the things that you're supposed to do. You know, like, you know, to be an adult, you need to yep. take these boxes. In there. <laughs> I think we we both yeah, have, really. we both uh -huh. have similar preach it preach it yeah and we, it's it's crazy we when you and I spoke before we both have similar all three of us have similar stories that we had our awakening so to speak well it's it's interesting what what you are brought like growing up and thinking that I have to do this this and this and then I'll arrive here all of that plus the fact that you become comfortable and just busy in your life that you you become dulled to certain things as well I think yeah well and and the things that really live inside of you die off to make room for the you know I'm going to bake a cake like Martha Stewart and yeah um you it's know have this fabulous house and here's the dog and the white picket fence and the job and the clothes for the job and the you know like and, and none of it really matters I mean no. No, but you can make it matter and you can make it matter more than anything you might have actually came here in this life to accomplish. And so like you need that kind of smack across the head to be like, wait a minute. Um, and, and the fact that in this quarantine time, we all have the opportunity to have that moment if we choose. Or we can take the narrative of being a victim and just be, oh, look, there's this other horrible thing that's happening to me. Horrible things always happen to me. and there is no escape hatch because it's just part of the narrative. Like bad things happen to me, but you're not seeing that the bad thing might be happening in order to be a catalyst to shift to. So, I love that. So looking back, knowing what you know now, were you able to call out, are you able, sorry, are you able to call out now 
points along your journey up until you had that catalytic experience, are you able to look back and say, ah, maybe that's why that happened, or there was voices telling you this, or there was messengers in the form of a mom or a dad or somebody telling you like you needed to wake up, or, or, or were you oblivious to all of that? Or just having those experiences so that you would be able to be strengthened and, and, and know how to deal with things later. Well, that's where I'm going mm-hmm. with it. I, I always wonder, Vanessa, and I, you and I have had this quick conversation, I always wonder, why wasn't I fast tracked? <laughs> why, why, why weren't you? Um, like, yeah. yeah, seriously. Like, so, First so off, that's the worst one. So, so exactly. So it, my <gasps> my question is: is fast tracking is irrelevant because everybody comes into it at their own pace and their own time. Like when the messenger, when the student is ready, the messenger arrives. Like totally, totally. So so all the things that we're doing now to educate children, to teach people. Like I'm a father. I have two young girls. I'm a single dad. I'm always trying to figure out what the fuck. How do I raise these kids? Like what's the right thing to do? And I basically have sorted out that I'm basically making this up every single day. I, I don't have any idea what I'm doing. So is it my job to just kind of set back as a parent or your job as a parent or your job? I don't know if you have children, whatever it is, whomever you're guiding of their younger people in your life that you're guiding. Is it our job just to kind of be there and let them know we're here if you need us, but we really need you to kind of fuck up on your own so you can sort it out. Mm -hmm. I I never, I I, I never know. I always think that's like a contract. Like even if you are the most conscious parent, you're still going to mess up your kids. Like it's, and they're going to have to kind of uncover Mm -hmm. the mess up in their own time. Like, I think it's just part of the process and you cannot avoid it. Like Mm -hmm. parents out there, give yourselves a break. Mm -hmm. Like, of course do what you can to lessen the, you know, impact, but know that that's part of the, the journey um, of being a human is, you know, you're going to get this conditioning from, from your, your family of origin and you have to move beyond it. Um, but if, if you're not getting any of that from your parents, you have nothing to move beyond from. So for me, um, going back to your question with that, um, I'm kind of like lost my train of thought now, but. Is it necessary for us to receive education from people thinking that they know what's best for us or should we just back off and let people because they're all going to come into it at their own pace you learned quicker than i might have i might learn quicker than you have or vice versa so well it's a varying scale too like we learn things when we learn them and it's not just like this one little thing it's like this whole arc of different things but what i was going to say about the parenting thing as well i have a friend that um was working with an uns an unlearning unschooling uh, facility um, based in South America. Um, there's a few of these places down there that are pretty popular. And their premise is that a child comes into this world knowing what their life mission is. And that as an adult, as a, yeah, as an adult, not even a parent, but a caregiver of some way, the only thing that we're here to do with children is to teach them how to work with matter. And something about that really stuck with me. Like this is how you use a spoon and this is how you use a scissor and, you know, like tangibly working with matter. Because of course, if, if you believe that, you know, we're spirits that come in and incarnate on this planet, um, when you're a spirit out there, you don't know how to work with matter because there isn't any. So, you know, you come in here, you have a body, you're in this world where everything's tangible and you don't know how to work with it, but you know what your mission is. And if you're able to, just be taught how this world works and keep you on mission, which is kind of sort of like Montessori as well. You know, Mm -hmm. you see what the child's interested in and you just foster more of that. Um, 
I kind of like that idea. Like, I mean, at some point, you know, even if you're not really interested in math, you probably need to learn it. But um, the fact that if that's true, and you know, where I was saying earlier, like trying to get in touch with that feeling of being three or five and that, that joyful feeling, and am I feeling that in my life? And can I let those feelings lead me in my adult life? Um, they kind of meet there. So like, to me, I feel like there's something to that. Um, and knowing how much is conditioned, you know, like be a good person. You don't always have to teach a small person how to share or how to be kind. Um, they kind of already do that. I mean, some more or less than others, but a lot of them already want to share, want to help, see somebody hurt, are concerned. Like these are not things you have to teach a child. Um, you can reinforce that. Um, and so with that thinking, I, I think it's kind of interesting, like what do we come in here with? And, and can we grow that more than just conditioning a person into like how the society works? And if you are raised here or in Africa or Asia, like is it, you know, that conditioning is different because the culture is different. Well, let's go there for a second. So we're at a crossroads right now with the education yes. of our young ones. Totally. We, are, we are at a crossroads across the globe. Would you agree with that? So my daughters just were told that they're not going to be going back to school for the full first semester. Yours, yours is mm-hmm. very similar. They're, being, they're learning from home. So mm-hmm. in my opinion, Ed, the entire education system is going to have to be retooled, rethought. Like h- how do we train? How many kids are in America roughly? 20 million kids, roughly school-age kids, going to school from K through 12, roughly. I don't know if that number is accurate or not. Sounds, it sounds number. good. Um, I'd say 20 million kids have to be re-educated in, in, in the public school system, I'm speaking. So right. how, if you were put in charge of this system, <laughs> somatic, this somatic body awareness intuitive teacher, is gonna, what would you do? What would you do? How would you fix the – knowing that people have to learn virtually – for an indefinite period of time. And I don't know that we'll ever go back to that physical space unless we come up with this wonderful fake vaccine that they're going to bring out. So um, (laughs) what would you do? Well, and and being as well, let me add to it, because we've talked as well about being, you know, more separated from other people. We vibe off of people. Mm -hmm. So you think, oh, I'm, you know, I'm fine with being alone and everything, but it changes your energy level so much. Like it gives you more more zest more viva life or whatever well, you a, want to call it because yeah yeah i can work so long in my office by myself but it's not until i'm out working with people and shooting people and doing all of that that i'm like absolutely. energized well you you just so how do they bring that you literally just touched on it energized like we're just everything is just you, you talked about matter everything yeah. is just an energy force that's all you're just this is just this whole composition of your beautiful self here it's just energy fields right and so you know, when you and I are standing next to each other, we're more energized because we enjoy each other's mm-hmm. company and our conversations mm-hmm. flow. Mm-hmm. When you're around those doctors that were really fun yeah, and enigmatic, yeah, like yeah. when you're 100% right. And now you're putting masks on people and you can't get that somatic element from people, that energy vibe from people in your separating kids. Like it's going to fuck up everything. Can so we how just do you talk about it? the things you're going to miss out on? Sorry, we're going a little deep though. I had my face washed out with snow on the regular through <laughs> elementary school by boys. You know, rocks thrown at me. They're not going to experience these things. Right. Ah. 
And like, well, <laughs> and I mean, like, oh, no. I mean, bullying has been a thing. So it's not like you really get a reprieve there so much, except now it's not even in a contextual experience. Um, and it, I mean, even it's like psychology 101, but you know, the whole, the story of having a monkey, a baby monkey and taking it away from being loved and touched and the monkey dies because it didn't get nurturance as a, a physical nurturance as a baby um, is a real thing. And, you know, as someone who's been solo quarantining and not having contact with people, um, and I'm more or less an introvert, so I was okay with it to a point. And then I had to break down and get a massage because I could really tell that like, um, my body wasn't able to regulate stress mm -hmm. as well, even with the tools that I have, because no one had touched me in like four months. Mm -hmm. um, and so the massage greatly helped. Like it, it just like, I was like a flower that just got watered or something like it, we need that. So like understanding that psychologically, especially developing brains and developing children touch more, you know, that's how like, you know, the whole world to a, a baby is like, you know, putting something in their mouth or touching something. So and, 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 and it's not just, away. and it's not just their education isn't just from their immediate family, from their mother, from their father. It's from oh. other people that they're yeah. around all the time. I mean, that's right. the, how do you socialize? How do you, and so, so yeah. how do you change? What would you do? How would you change the education system now? You're given yeah. free reign. What would you do? Take a deep breath. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't really think we have answers for a lot of these things, and it does break my heart. I mean, my nephew lives in Florida and started preschool um, and wears a mask, and there's nine kids in his class, and only his class can be on the playground at one time, and they wash their hands a whole lot, you know, but after being essentially homeschooled last year, you know, or I guess this year, since March, um, to go back to school was really great for him. He's like so excited, and he's making friends, and um those things are necessary. And um, like, I don't have an answer, you know, for older children, um, depending on the child, this kind of uh, learning track could be better for some and more difficult for others, depending on what your learning style is. You know, some people need to hear, some people need to see, some people need to write. Um, and I mean, I think our education system, you know, kind of just plays the middle. And for me, I was an advanced student that was always bored and it was very hard to find things that kept me interested. And what actually happened was it dumbed me down because the school couldn't meet my needs. And then I think for other children who have different needs, um, they have, well, I mean, I have a narrative in there too, but like I, I'm not smart because I can't or you know, I'm not challenged and I'm not learning and I'm not getting the A plus even though I should. Like it, it like it's very confusing. And I think that a lot of the way that school has been is limiting. So at least for older children, like let's say like, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 and older, this kind of variable um, schooling could be great for them. You know, like um, also you're only supposed to be doing digital learning for four hours a day as opposed to being in school for eight. And a lot of reasons why children are in school are day because their parents are at work. Um, then you have the, you know, lower income public schooling that is actually providing a safe place and nurturance for children. So it's not even really about education at that point. It's, are they getting a, a healthy meal today? And 
do they have a safe place to be? So, and somehow that's okay. Like um, if we're actually keeping schools in areas where the bare minimum is, is basically survival, it's not actually about education, that's also a challenge. So across the board, being in this really weird time of digital learning and, you know, like I have friends who, you know, like, oh, well, the school's already given us all iPads and we could work from, you know, we could have school from anywhere. And that was already in place versus other schools that I hear the government is supposed to allow um, all kids to have a, a laptop, but do they have or a, a learning device, but do they have internet at home? Do they have electricity? Um, so, so even now we're playing with averages, but the the upper is going to be fine in this situation, and, and the lower half may may not. And, and well, so we've had this. She's she's she is a clairvoyant. What, yeah. <laughs> what, you just, what you just get said, out of my head, Vanessa. What you just, what you just said a, a few seconds ago actually happened before summer break with my daughter's school. Um, she came back and told me and they were doing online learning. And she said that there were a couple of students that told the teacher during the Zoom, I don't have internet. How am I supposed to do this? This was early on. And so the school had to adapt and find a way to get them and all that sort of stuff. So if it's happening in her school, it's happening across the globe. Everywhere. Everywhere. And and, and I, literally everywhere. And I mean, there's been plenty, like I, I look at charities that help children in, in Africa in places where they have solar powered um, devices where they can still get learning no matter if they have electricity or the internet and you know that's super important um, all right well I'm not going to let you off the hook so you don't have any ideas but no. your, your whole your whole life I see a lot of I see a lot of opportunity but I don't have a lot of <laughs> yeah so that's your whole thing finding optimism the silver lining I I personally don't think that this is a bad thing the, the, no. the shift in the education I don't I think that there's an opportunity here for whether it's, I hate to say it, but the privatization of small clusters of group-based learning. Mm -hmm. But if you had to make one change right now for that, anything that you could throw out? Art. Art. I'm fine with that. Mm. Love that. Um, I mean, I have, you know, with adults, I haven't done this with children yet, but um in my intuitive painting teachings had to go from a live experience to online and it is doable and trying to find shorter and shorter um, slots of time to do this um, where it is just a training of using that intuitive communication with your gut again um, and also applying art to it. Um, and it is possible. I actually did it last week, and you know, to see the looks on people's faces—fifteen minutes—that's all we had to do an exercise, and saw that there was a difference. Is worth it. But in all of this, um, we're very focused on the digital learning aspect. But are we allowing space for creativity, and what other? drivers can we put into that creative space so like is it music is it physical activity is it art and can we make sure that we're integrating that into this digital learning platform and the fact that we're pausing the education system right now is great because like all the things i was mentioning mm -hmm. it's not a perfect system and you need to pause the system in order to see what needs to be corrected 
How about you come up with some curriculum around emotional and intuitive development for younger children and introduce that? None of that's being taught. None of the stuff that you have learned at 30 plus years old or whatever it is that your age is that you had this awakening or you and you and I are starting to learn a whole bunch of stuff around this and we have in the last five, six years. We're we're so lucky to be lined up. We we have other people that's just we're learning from are coming into our lives and you know you've got to be grateful and you've got to kind of see that as well. But how many times in third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade were you taught to use your emotional development or your intuitive development or to focus on your gut healing or stick your finger inside your belly button and focus on your breath like when were you ever taught that sort of stuff never ever ever no and and really especially with what's going on now like if you jump on to let's say like facebook for 15 minutes you'll know what i'm talking about um people don't have coping skills at all and that's what's causing so much of, of this problem of course like i think you know people again whether it's media or advertising likes to keep us in this state because they keep us kind of hooked. But if you have any coping skills, you can be, take things less personally, see when your uh, stress response is, is heightening and maybe you should step away from that thing. But if you don't have those body awarenesses, if you don't have any kind of um, coping, deregulating skills within yourself, um, you're totally hooked and not able to resource your full emotional spectrum. You're going off anger and survival. Can we talk a little bit about that? Like um, I've got written down here too, the like, intuitive arts is like the gateway drug right now and coping skills and all that. I have a, a, a very good friend. She lives on the other side of the country. I'm probably closer to you. Yeah. <laughs> and she's been through a lot in her life. You know, there's been a lot of things going on and just as, and I don't want to say just women, I think across the board, you, you just keep swimming, you know, um, you know, she's been through a divorce. She has four kids. She's, she's made it on her own. She's gotten to this point where she's able to deal with a lot of things, but she's not taken that moment to deal with some underlying things that need to be dealt with and that we just keep adding on to it so she's taken this month the month of august she's aligned herself in a way that she's dealing with you know her divorce or you know uh, underlying things that have triggered her um she's taking care of her body she's she's doing things emotionally as well seeing a therapist uh reiki healer she's taking the time to take these long walks and do all these things it's it's a eating properly all these things scheduled that whole month a lot of us don't have a whole month to do that so what are the things that you would suggest like for the rest of us to do, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's at home to be able to cope, to be able to use our intuitive skills, to, to strengthen these skills, to, to make us, you know, progress. Really? I'd say start small. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, have the, if I can't give myself a, a month sabbatical to my life to heal then I can't. And literally, you know, give yourself 10, 15 minutes a day. And I mean, for some people, that might even seem like a lot. Um, but really, just start small and be as consistent as possible. And also, don't say, I'm going to do this every day, but I'm going to do this as often as possible because I think a lot of us commit to that, you know, exercise program or you know whatever it happens to be and and you do it and you do it for several days and then you don't do it for a day and then there's that like mental I'm a failure and you just stop it's it's not doing it every day it's doing it more days than not 
you know, some other commitment that makes it easy. And the whole work-life balance thing is a fallacy. There is no such thing because balance isn't, you know, just two squares and, you know, like you've got two pieces and that's balance. It's kind of like on a day-to-day, it, it varies. Um, and, and some days maybe full focus with work, full focus with kids. And like, maybe you get some time for yourself or some self-care and um, never to look at it as it's just, you know, two slices of pie. It's, the balance is, is a constantly moving structure. Um, and like, for me, I think at the beginning, like journaling was extremely important, you know, like as I was going through uh, the beginnings of, of the divorce experience and even losing the job, um, I did The Artist's Way, the book by Julia Cameron. It's quite popular, mm-hmm. but like it's, a, you know, a reading book with exercises and journal prompts. And, you know, it was something that I could jump into almost every day. And just the fact that it was, um, you know, something to write, some activity to do and something to read. Like, I think also, like I was saying, like learning, um, people have different learning styles. It's the same kind of thing. Um, But to have that when I didn't know what to do, didn't know where to go. um, And it wasn't just reading and it wasn't just journaling, but it was this whole spectrum of things was very helpful to me. Um, And my whole life, because I think it's like a, 12 week book, you know, like in that way, it's, it's kind of like a 12 step program or something too, you know, we can be, let's say addicted to life and not be nurturing our creative selves. So it does kind of make sense that, you know, like if you give yourself a 12 week commitment and you're doing something like this, by the end of those 12 weeks, you'll be somewhere else. And that was so true for me. Um, I wasn't healed and everything was fine, but like certainly I was a little more grounded after I had gone through that process. And where I was on week one, where I was like, you know, I think I, you know, like I think I want this life to look different. And then like through that 12 weeks is when everything started to fall apart in my life. Like the job had already happened, but like then shortly thereafter was the marriage. And um, that book was kind of like my guidepost. And I've done it a few times since. And I suggest it to anybody who's lost their creative spark or, um, you know, is looking for something but can't figure it out because it's, it's more trying to figure out who you are. And that's the most important piece, um, creating time to listen to that um, on whatever capacity. And again, like, what did you like to do when you were younger? You know, did you paint? Did you dance? Did you make up stories and and there's a nugget there for you and we put that down and we pursue adulting and you know read the magazines and you know have a book or two and say this is this is how I'm supposed to be an adult like I was actually walking through Target a couple days ago and was chuckling to myself of you know reading like better homes and gardens or something and like I'm not dissing any of this like anybody who enjoys these things there's nothing wrong with it but so much of that was part of my reality, certain magazines I was reading, trying to be this adult. And I chuckled to myself like, wow, I guess like you're really an authentic adult when you put down those magazines and you're just actually living your life. Like you don't actually need a how-to manual for it. Um, that comes out every month. It tells you what you're supposed to like and do and what your living room's supposed to look like. like what do you want your living room to look like? Why, why do you have to read something to tell you what the trendiest colors are this year or whatever. Like it should be what you enjoy. Well, 
You can also use it to jog and give you ideas. Totally. Like, you know, like I'm not. <gasps> like, if you were to leave me to, if you were to leave me to design my living room based upon my own intuition <laughs> and, and not taking insights from hers, it would not look anything like yours would. And I'm like, oh, I really like yours better. Thank you. Yeah, but that also that didn't really come maybe a little bit from Pinterest boards, but that also came from divorce and all of a sudden deciding, wait a second, I'm not compromising. What? what do I want? Mm -hmm. So a mm -hmm. lot of that comes from, you know, a catalyst from other things too, as with other things in our life. Wait, wait a second. I'm making the decision for myself. No, what do I want? What, what am I feeling? Mm -hmm. Well, and that's a better place to start from, you know, I think going from like, let's say college aged into looking towards the next, you know, hurdle to uh, approach is marriage and, and home ownership or what have you, you know, from like college. We don't actually, yeah, like a lot of people do that. Like we don't actually take the time, like who am I and what do I really want? What does it look like? And then go after it. It's kind Absolutely. of just this continual. Well, 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 that's why I'm suggesting if you were in charge of education, those, <laughs> keeps giving those, you this job. It's insane because, you know, if, if I have one, it's like I don't want it. <laughs> if I have one thing that I could impart before I left this planet, it would be to change the education system at an early right. age to teach children how to be community-based, not competitive-based, mm -hmm. how to teach people to use their emotional guidance system, how to use their intuition. Obviously, art should be mandatory. And to get rid of all of this scholastic rope memory testing because I look, at oh, my yeah. children, I, I look at my children's education now and I do something on the side with them so that they get it, but I look at what they're taught and what they're, what they're doing. And it's nothing but rope memory. They're not actually learning how to think. They're learning how oh. to... They're learning how to paraphrase something back to somebody and so anyway we're running out of time we get stressed out about it there are so many different things that Hope we could cope yeah there are so many different things that we could talk about I, 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 if people want to find you okay. if people want to find you it's um they can find you at vanessakeating.com correct yep. and i have to say thank you to sweetwater sweetwater.com for the use of our fantastic headphones from audio technica so i have to throw that in <laughs> Sweetwater hooked us. Sweetwater hooked us up with these. Yeah. We're ready to basically. We're we're ready to go fly our helicopter now. Yeah, and we can talk. Vanessa, there was a lot of different things. Actually, I wrote down a quote by Nietzsche that at least and I were talking before you jumped on that we wanted to take you into, and it was those who were seen dancing were thought to be insane by those who could not hear the music, and I thought it'd be a really kind of a nice kind of a nice starting point for the conversation we thought we were going to have with you but like anything it never goes that direction he's trying to lead you into having another session with us <laughs> i got a lot to talk about you're right. going to talk about chaos and all of that we didn't even get to talk about the chaos i know oh, Damn it. although like all of this in a way is chaos, chaos. but we True. could probably talk to it specifically but you know schools having to be redone and where we are right now you know all of us being home and not doing the things that we want to like all of this can be considered chaotic um you know in my production world doing an event always chaotic um but like that one true where are you in yourself are you grounded are you centered um can you use the gifts that you have are is kind of the exit point to chaos like you can be in the middle of a storm and just still be with it all and and that's the most important thing i love like it's almost like one of your super talents is to be able to navigate your way through chaos 
Well, I was watching Jurassic Park with my 11 year old last week and I forget his name, Richard Bloom, I think is the actor who was from the original, the very first um, Jurassic Park. And he was talking about chaos and how the dinosaurs and the genetic gene pool and all the stuff that they had brought together was once chaos. Like it was a swirl of just bacteria and protozoa and all sorts of stuff. And the one theory of how the earth came together in the universe was from chaos theory. Everything just kind of was a massive swirl of erroneous information, but in the end it turned out to be simply divine. So I I actually think that that life has to have chaos in order to function because we would not understand what the order of things look like had we not first experienced the chaos. I believe that Corona, there's a bigger thing, a bigger play through all of this. I think this is an opportunity for us to grow and evolve and come out on the other side way better than we are. We have a battle of, we have a battle of wits up against us right now because there are some people who would prefer it to be a completely different outcome. But yeah, but it can also propel you into an area that you've had on the back burner Absolutely. for ages. So Absolutely. it's 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 navigating that. All right, you have three things that you get to impart to the planet before you are taken up onto your alien vessel tonight before we turn (laughs) off this podcast. What would you like to leave us with before you go back home? Oh, um, Three morsels, helpful, anecdotal, humorous. Leave me three things before you leave us today. That's a hot seat right there. It totally is. I was like hoping we'd just keep talking and and wouldn't get to this part. Uh, I'm kidding. Um, One, that we are nature. And you need to spend more time in nature, connecting with nature, standing barefoot on the ground, watching plants grow, growing vegetables, all of it. Essentially important. Love that. Love it. We are separate right now and we need to really understand that that we are no different than a tree. That's funny. I've always seen those x-ray shots of tree roots and the systems and the vessels and the capillaries. And then they'll show the internal shot of, of a human with all the capillaries and the roots and the structures and they look exactly the same. And I'm like, holy shit. And in my intuitiveness, because plants is my thing, um, they want nothing but to help us. Like they look at us like we look at, you know, a puppy or something. You know, you just want to, you just want to hold it and be nice to it like that's that's what plants feel like with us like they are they just want to help us um so that i would impart that so number one um, we are nature number two we are nature two um would have to be the internal somatic centering self-organizing thing that you are like you came here as an energy to do something the strongest relationship you should have in this life, aside of the trees, um, is with you. Um, what what you want, what you yearn for, what you want to create um, should come first over what other people think. And I don't mean uh, in a selfish way. I mean that that's your special blueprint, and and you're here to gift whatever that is to to the planets while you're here. Um, instead of always looking externally, we have to spend way more time cultivating a strong relationship with our inner. So that would be two. It's a lot. Self-awareness and internalization realization. I love this. That's what I wrote down. Number three. You're going to rewrite my website for me. Um, again, I think it would have to be like authentic expression around the arts. Um, 
we are all creative. We are all artists. Um, and from childhood onwards, um, you know, whether it's singing, playing an instrument, dancing, making something with your hands, um, like all the arts, um, we are all artists. There's, we are all capable of creating beauty and um, it helps us also express, which is also very important because if we have this thing inside of us, we have to get it out. So, um, I'm a huge supporter for everybody finding their voice, uh, finding their creative expression, and knowing that they are, everyone on this planet is a creator. Did you pass the test? Perpetuate we, we the can't. authentic expression with our subjective gift of art. Nice. <laughs> Vanessa Keating, vanessakeating.com. She is... You're all over the place. You have a lot of different assets. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Always. Anything else you like to close with? No, that Good. was fantastic. Right. Vanessa, best, thank best you. Best way to start the week. Thank you.